Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth gear for all kinds of weather, all kinds of terrain, all kinds of budgets. It's clothing that just works. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. And quick shout out to our latest Patreon, Harvey Adams out of Milford, Delaware. Uh, Harvey's still waiting on your shirt size so I can get your swag pack out in the mail. Um, get that out to you here. Uh, shortly just need to get that and uh maybe we're gonna have to do uh start start focusing a little bit on the east coast for some uh seek a deer hunting i've had a couple of uh, uh opportunities a couple of pe- people reach out and say hey you should come out here and hunt some seek a deer and uh, i think it would be a ball but i'm gonna be maybe a couple years for that one so uh, this podcast with Byron Horton, uh, the Whitetail Experience, Byron puts out some high-level content, works with a bunch of companies as a uh, content creator and kind of do their digital marketing for them. Uh, but he's really into gear. He's really uh, kind of budget-minded um, and really one of these higher-level uh, hunters. He targets higher age class deer down there in Ohio. Uh, we talk trad, we talk gear, we talk, uh, <laughs> hunter shaming. Um, we talk about our experiences, um, and kind of goals and, and, and how all of that, uh, played out for this year and kind of what we're looking for, um, in the year to come, but just some, some good information, uh, on this one, uh, a couple of different perspectives. So, um, it's always fun talking with Byron. I know you guys are going to like this one, um, headed to ATA next week 
uh, for next week's podcast. Um, we'll uh, announce the winner for the quarterly giveaways uh, from you know all of our sponsors. You know everybody from 2023 was great to us. Um, Huntworth Latitude Latitude, you can save 15% with that code BHC, um, and their vapor lines are incredible. So I would definitely check them out. And their sticks, uh, we talk a lot about their sticks here on this. Uh, this podcast, um, Spartan Forge, you can use code Bowhunter to save 25%. Um, and that one does help us out um, quite a bit. Um, Zinger and Kanadi, um, can't, can't wait to see what those guys have uh, in store. Um, they sent me some of their larger fletchings, and they're actually um, – Brian's been shooting them on his trad arrow, so I'm going to have to swap those over and see uh, how they fly out of that bow. Uh, but they did, and they did get their patent. So um, really awesome things for those guys. Lucky Buck, you know, we saw more deer uh, on our property in the UP, passed more bucks up there, um, and the Lucky Buck is really working out up there. Um, Genesis 3D printing, um, you know, uh, Austin is a, a – an amazing guy. Um, he's actually working on some products with our Patreons right now. Um, and we're getting to see that design process and kind of how everything comes together. Um, super awesome. He's got a 20% off discount code for Patreon. So if you are a Patreon and you're going to order from Austin, uh, hit me up, I'll pass that along to you. Um, and, uh, if not, like I say, if you're going to order anything from, from him and it's going to be more than $5, uh, you know, if 20% is more than $5 of your order, um, you can help us out by signing up for Patreon and, uh, save yourself some money. Um, and then big shot targets, really looking forward to, to seeing those guys meeting Al in person there at, uh, at ATA and uh, you can save 10% there, uh, with BCP there, uh, that hunter target, that, uh, five-sided uh, indoor target with the uh, woodchuck on the bottom is probably like my favorite target. Um, and Byron's actually uh, done a really nice video on that before, you know, we even knew who Big Shot was. Um, and he actually he said he's got two of those. So definitely check that out. Well worth it. Um, this is a fun podcast. I know you guys are going to love it. Um, got a bunch of stuff in store for 2024. Um, going to be a fun, busy year. Um, hope everybody had a great, safe new year. And uh, here's to the 2024 season. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, here with Byron Horton of the Whitetail Experience and uh, going to kind of cover the whole gamut of uh, the season. Uh, I, I think of uh, Byron as like a, a very practical, like, you know, high higher level deer hunter. But he's extremely pragmatic, and I think maybe it's because of his profession or whatever, but he, he tends to lean towards the cheap side um, about things. But he always is very – he's very calculated on it, and he he can be somewhat opinionated when it comes to technology and kind of new things. Um, so I, I always love talking with Byron, love having him on here, and uh, looking forward to a great conversation today. Um, how are you doing today, Byron? Man, I am good. Uh, we are g- getting through the holidays here. Uh, late season is upon us. And uh, I don't know. Let's see here. In about 10 days, we got muzzleloader kicking off. Uh, I still got a tag here. And and so, yeah, I am still in pursuit. Got a little scouting in this morning, but uh, it, it is good, man. So for you in Ohio and, you know, I know you do travel, uh, you know, sometimes out of state, depending on you know, what the financials and your PTO and everything looks like, uh, how is your season shaped up this year, uh, to this point? Yeah, I would say overall, like this is the, 
the best season without punching a buck tag I've had in a while. And um, so I've shot, let's see here. I shot an out-of-state doe on a on a short trip in October. Um, and that was cool. Like, you know, three feet off the ground at like nine yards. And don't get any better than that. The only thing that could have been was accomplishing that with the stick. Um, I got my brother-in-law into like hunting and, and he was able to take a doe on, on a, a small piece I got access to. And, uh, so that's like, cool. Right. Introducing somebody who has like a sports background, he's into grilling, but he said, man, maybe I'd go deer hunting. And so I was like, all right, well, I can work that into my schedule and, and get you in the woods and you can kind of see what it's about. Um, so that's been solid. And I shot a doe, like, I don't know, two weeks ago or, or something after the, the gun season, I did miss a buck like November 8th. And so like that, that hurts, but, uh, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is, this is bow hunting and that, that is part of it. So that's, that's kind of been my season, uh, most Pope and young bucks I've ever seen from a tree stand. And I had a lot of good encounters, even just like hunting with deer under like 10 yards this year. It just, um, no stick bow kill yet, but I I've been shooting the last 10 days. It might have to come back out. So, yeah, we talked about that a little bit at the, the mobile hunters expo just briefly, and uh, I had asked you about if your standards would change because you're, you know, a hundred plus, you know, 120 inch buck is, I would say is like your target deer um, in your area. And you're like, well, we only get one tag, so I'm not going to change my, my standards. And can you explain that a little bit? Because I feel like all these deer, you know, for me that I've had under, you know, in stick bow range, like. I wouldn't, I, I, I feel like if you're shooting, if, if you're passing up deer that you haven't ever shot yet, you know, it's the same mm -hmm. thing as, you know, if you had a compound or a rifle and you're like, well, I'm waiting for a 140, um, you know, and on some level I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is you, but I feel like it kind of puts it out there from like a social media standpoint or like whatever, like you're doing it for somebody else. Like it wouldn't be cool enough to kill something sure. that big. So, so uh, you know, for, for a while I had like a hard fast line, like, Oh no, like it's gotta be 20 inches wider, 120 plus or minus in that range. But then I heard Heath Cisco far more experienced hunter than myself talk about, he has a sliding bar where he tries to hunt, say the biggest deer he can October and November, somewhere in late November to December, he says, okay, well, what buck can I kill? Like, he he does drop a standard. He still wants to to kill a buck. There's still good things to to come from killing bucks, uh, deer in general, right? Like I don't get a lot of practice of just killing deer. So when I heard that, I kind of eh, I I shifted what I was thinking upstairs, involving as a bow hunter. Um, but yeah, n now when I talked to you at the Mobile Hunter Expo, my plan was to pick up the compound November one. So I get like a month and a half ish of of stick bow hunting experience. And then I still had a lot of season left, right? So if I had, let's just call it like a, a four-pointer come into 10 yards, well, I still got a lot of season left. Uh, racked buck, that was going to be a coin flip, maybe depending how how nice he was. Um, I think at this point in, in the game, you're right. Like I, I didn't kill a buck last year, so that also adjusts the scale, right? And so... I'm I'm kind of more on which the way up or down. Oh, okay, yeah. The the listeners can't <laughs> see us. I'm shifting things left and right. I would say like, yeah, like okay. If I would let's say I'm gonna go hunt Saturday. If I have a racked buck and he's one ten, he's he's probably dying. Like especially ten yards with the stick. And it's funny. I was thinking about this too this week with Dave. 
you know, you were talking inches and goals and stuff. Like, Adam, if you killed any buck with a stick bow, there's probably less deer that get killed with a stick bow than, say, 140s that are killed with gun, compound, and crossbow. And, like, maybe that is a little bit bigger of an accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, well, like, yeah. I, I'm very unapologetic in, like, what I've said. You know, the first, like, the deer that I shot at this year was a dog, man. Like, it was... And, and just to, to be able to get that shot off was th- that was the goal in itself. And it goes back to like what I would talk to new bow hunters when they're just, you know, out there in the woods and they're just eating shit. And they're like, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, you know, I'm just not in the game. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing scouting. I don't know. And it, it, for me, like for any, anything else, like you got to try to be positive. So it's like, okay, well. Did you not get lost? Did you remember your arrows? Did you, you know, did you get up in the tree without making any noise? You know, mm-hmm. did you, then did you see a deer? You know, like I go back to my uh, elk hunt where it was like hear an elk, see an elk, get an opportunity, like in that order. So like I've ventured into the woods a million times with the stick bow now. Um, yeah. You know, I've missed a turkey with a stick bow. I've had deer in range i've i've but i've not gotten a shot off i haven't gotten drawn and so this time like i got drawn and like oh everything went bananas it was just the worst (laughs) the worst situation ever uh but i had eight i had eight does um you know within 30 yards and i was still able to get the shot off and i was literally four feet off the ground and you know it was late season there's no foliage so yeah. that's a, that's a win. So it didn't, it didn't necessarily matter that I didn't shoot that deer cause I could be pissed. Right. Mm-hmm. But I learned, okay, well don't do that again. But you know, my, when we went and set up the spot, I, I had my brother take a picture of me. Like once I set it up, cause I was going to go there in the morning and just slide up the tree. And he's like, you're not going any higher than that. And I'm like, well, because of this branch, I can't, but I'll be skylined if I go any higher. So this is like where I have to be. Yeah, And to have, you know, 16 eyes within 30 yards, you know, and to be able to get the shot off, which is something that I hadn't been able to do, you know, in years past. So that's a win. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that it was, you know, I would imagine it's a button. Like, I don't know. It was, it was not a large deer by any stretch of the imagination, but. Yeah. I got cracked, uh, like third hunt of the year drawing at, at a deer at 12 yards. And yeah, it's. It's different. I do regret um, the fact I don't take a ton of PTO in October. So it's like I don't, I don't really sit and hunt all that much. And, and so yeah, I was carrying the stick bow in the woods, but those were a little more scouting than hunting. And I look back at my November, and I can remember I patterned this doe coming to this one oak tree that she favored. She came there three mornings in a row, and I kept thinking she was going to bring me the boyfriend. And I, I had her at under 13 yards all three days and I was low two of those. I was 10 foot on one. Like I, I do kind of regret maybe that would have been a cool moment it, 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 to potentially pull it off. Cause she would come in and she'd figure out something's there. They just do. And you talk about trying to draw with eight sets of eyes, forget that noise, man. Like I hate, I, I yeah, I, I don't love when those are sticking around. Cause dude, they, they, they get you. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, with with the whole traditional equipment and everything and and you know for guys that are new um even with the regular compound right like having deer in that 
bubble. I mean, you're for me, I'm 12 years old again. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have never done this before. I have no idea. And drawing that bow and, you know, and talking with, you know, some of the guys that have done it, like often they're like, you are going to end up taking a lot of shots at moving deer because they're not, that's when they're not paying attention. Like when they're standing there, like you don't get that opportunity like you do on a compound. And, and, you know, with that, with that buck that came you can't in draw early yeah. either. Like when yeah. they're out there 25 coming in, you can't draw and just hold it. Okay, exactly. He takes 20 seconds and now he's 15 yards. Yeah. That, that doesn't happen. It Adam, you talk about being 12 years old. It's to me, when you can start hearing them breathe like that, dude, I, I, I get buck fever. The heart's elevated. I, I I'm with you because you know, with the stick bow, I found myself hunting low, um, and obviously just range like, uh, yeah, when you could start hearing them breathe, I, I start getting a little bit of buck fever and kind of crumbling it, even if it's a doe that I'm not even going to shoot. So do you think in doing that, like in, in, so trying to, I mean, I think again, with the uh, compound equipment, you know, we have this much larger bubble and I've listened to a lot of things that, you know, Jason Samkowiak has said, and it, it always ends up being the spot within the spot or these like micro terrain features. Like, do you think that that's changed the way that you look at like all of your setups? Um, oh, now. Yeah. yeah and, and I do have a question for you regarding the stick, but um, yeah, you look at, you, you look at shooting like one feature, one thing, there might be a plan B a lot of times, but like sometimes with a compound, you can cover three or four things. Um. Yeah, with the stick and a lot of times too with the stick, like I can't shoot what I'll call like the backside of the tree, right? Because you got the cant of the bow, let alone the things are 60 inches or 55, you know, there's just a lot more bow up in there. And so like I was looking at a set today and I was looking at how to ambush these deer and I couldn't hunt uh, 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 this, this set because there's a lot of trunks and like, I'm like, oh, I can't even camp my stick bow to get an arrow out of it. That's that triple truck tree. Um, so it definitely has, has, has like made me fine tune. I found that the hardest thing was I always like to tuck into places and with the stick, sometimes you can't really tuck in because of the, the camp. I wanted to ask you if you found yourself tree stand hunting more over saddle hunting with the stick bow, or maybe you favored the other way. Well, it's funny because I have not, uh, well, let's see. Yeah. So I have not hunted out of a tree stand in forever. Um, and you know, talking with uh, Todd Freeman from the um, Seek Wilderness podcast, uh, UP Bowhunter on uh, yeah. Instagram. So Todd was telling me, and it's funny because these guys who have hunted with uh, traditional archery equipment for a long time, they have like, you know, they've done it all before. They've they've made all of these mistakes, and so um, Todd said specifically. After after I missed that deer because the the next morning was when I had the encounter with that bigger one, but he said, um, you know, trying to hunt with traditional equipment out of a saddle is putting yourself at this big advantage disadvantage because you you can't move around in front of you. You only have like one little thing, and then the same thing you were talking about with. I mean, that's what happened to me. Uh, I was tucked in behind this tree. And I, I leaned out and drew, but there was a limb and the, my top limb hit the limb and yeah, you know, 
Bo flies out of the tree, all, all the things <laughs> like it's just, just terrible. Um, but then my, my friend Tom, who's, you know, killed tons of things with the, with the stick bow, he says by doing it the way that I've been doing it, like when I enter gun season, that that's when I pick up the traditional bow is, you know, there's no cover, there's no leaves. There's, you know, these deer are kind of like on edge. They're maybe not, not as, uh, and hunted for months. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, I'm stacking like a difficult thing on a difficult thing on a difficult thing on a difficult thing. And, uh, so next year, um, I'm, I'm considering, um, uh, going to more of a hybrid setup. And that's what kind of what I want to talk to you about. Like, like literally today before this podcast, I was doing some stuff in the garage and I've got a, uh, a wind walker out there. And nice. so I was, I was messing around with that and seeing like how I can make the, like, make a couple little upgrades to not necessarily modernize it, but I feel like uh, make it as safe as I'm used to being (laughs) Uh, because I feel like when we talk about side pressure and things like that on the wind walker, like that's not how it was designed at all. So, um, but I noticed that you'd been hunting and uh, even on like your latest, like Patreon podcast, you talked about like really liking the hybrid setup. And, uh, one of my good buddies, Jake, you know, just bought a 0.5 and he's been kind of doing the same thing. And, and, and that's what Todd does. Um, and so that seems to be like more of a, a realistic, uh, option. And, and that, that day that I, uh, actually set up, uh, real low and I had that buck come in. Um, I was essentially, I mean, I was still hunting off of my platform because that's what I had. Um, uh, but I had the tether set right at waist height. So I didn't have anything up in front of me or anything like that. Like, but I was also, you know, all my eggs were in one basket cause I knew the deer were coming from this way and that's, that's what it was going to be. I mean, I, I had a very, very known setup. I feel like. Sure. Yeah, I have been hybrid hunting here a lot since gun opener because I took the saddle for that day. Um, and I've been so I've been compound hunting. So I can take advantage of like what we'll call shooting past the tree. And I did some practicing too to kind of get comfortable with that. One thing I did notice um, when I lean into the saddle of uh, in the hybrid situation, I will say my group size was just a touch bigger. Now, true, it allowed me to shoot past the tree better. But I did shoot better groups with broadheads at 20 and 30 yards with more of a stand normal, like you do all summer shooting your compound on like a tree stand. Um, I didn't stick bow hunt hybrid style. And, and I'm, I might play around with that idea next year because I have really enjoyed it because uh, I stand most of my hunts. So like, you know, all my weights on my feet and I just I, I noticed, you know, come the rut. Man, you, you start standing a lot of those hunts for hours on end, stacking a few days in a row. Um, the hybrid setup allows you to take a lot of that weight off your feet and and you're close to standing, so you can kind of get in position pretty quick. Um yeah, I see myself compound hunting probably hybrid style next year. Uh not a hundred percent on 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 stick bow, because cause like you said, you you kind of dance around the platform to get get your shot off. Dave actually killed a deer kneeling out of a a, a a, a tree stand in, I don't know, 2015, 2016. Um, and zero chance he could do that because he ducked, pulled the thing back and smoked it at like 22 yards. Like, Dave, what? Well, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, you miss a hundred and hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And I, I mean, I, that is what it sounds like, uh, 
could could be like in you know instead of like uh relax stick to your process whatever you got on the limbs of your compound it, like you it sounds like the stick bow should just say send it on there like you know <laughs> you know i i don't know i'm i i feel like that's the where it's at but I, I just, I've just enjoy the time in the woods so much more. And, and I enjoy shooting that bow because I, I was explaining, I was explaining archery to some people that I work with that don't aren't in the outdoors and don't really, um, you know, have any insight into it. And I'm like, well, with a compound, if your tape is on or your pins are on and you have like three different anchor points and you you know your equipment like the only variable for the most part is you and you make a mistake and it's 100% your fault and that is 100% true with a stick bow but like the opposite way because there are only so many things and if you have no sights and you have no rest and you you know you're release could come off different every single time. But when you make that good shot, it's a hundred percent you like, so all the misses are, it's because it's a stick bow. But when you make that good shot and when you start to shoot really good, it's like, there's no better feeling where it, it almost goes back to like with a rifle or, you know, with a compound that's really dialed in. Like that's what's supposed to happen with, with a stick bow. You never know what's going to happen. So when, so when you make a good <laughs> shot, you know, it's good. It, it's that much more pull, powerful. <laughs> yeah. You pull back a compound, you know, that arrow is going generally where that arrow is pointed. That's not necessarily like, that's not necessarily the, the case with the stick. Like John Dudley can pick up somebody's bow. That's four inches short at, at a tack, doesn't he? And he makes like hundred yard shots with other people's bows. Like I got a hundred dollar bill says he can't do that with your stick bow at, at maybe even 30 yards. But I would say that there are some of these stick bow guys that, can do that and that's what's you know and it, that's a hundred percent that guy you know like in both instances it's it's the guy behind the bow but I, there's just something about i mean so we were at tack uh i don't know i don't know if it was last year or two years ago and uh there was a guy and i think he's a pretty um prominent guy here in michigan and in the traditional community big guy uh wears a kilt um, but it, it was this last shot and it was 55 yards uphill and he was shooting this monster of a recurve, like from his knees and hitting foam at 55 yards uphill, like through all this stuff. And it was amazing. I mean, and it was, you know, it, it, that was a shot that everybody else was, you know, making or, you know, laying up and, you know, making just, just hitting foam, but to do that at 55 yards and, you know, everybody was shooting a couple arrows, it was like, it was just something to watch, you know, and it was the spectacle, you know, more so than like, you know, if, if, if a guy comes up there with a brand new Matthews and uh, he's decked out in Sitka and Krispies and all that stuff, and he's got his crispy hat on and all that stuff, like you expect him to hit it, but like this very eccentric man with this giant bow, and you know turkey feathers and stuff. You're like, let's 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 wait around and see how this is gonna go. You know, <laughs> yeah, straight out of the Middle Ages, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so from that like hybrid 
like standpoint, I'm going to shift gears here, here a little bit, just because, you know, you do work with, um, XOP and then some of the other, you know, very knowledgeable about a lot of the gear and, and some of the other companies out there. Um, you know, as we're, we're coming up to ATA and people look for innovation and things like that in this mobile hunting community, like how much further can we take it? I mean, what are, what are we looking towards as far as like innovation or I guess what holes or problems need to be solved? Yeah. So I think this year, if I'm, if I'm going to go bold predictions, um, I'll be interested to see if other materials get brought up. I think latitude opened, uh, some eyes last year, right? Like made a product out of a, a compound material that nobody else was even, well, I guess Timber Ninja also. Um, so yeah, I think we'll see stuff in that space. I think we're also getting specialized product where if you want a climbing stick that, uh, climbs really well, okay, this one does this. If you want one that packs really well, we offer this model. And so we as consumers win because you can, you can like almost mix match your personal preferences. Um, maybe you have multiple, I think we'll see that trend continue where, okay, let's make, we've made a product X that, that does some things really well. Let's make something that's really, really packable, or let's go for something stupid, lightweight. So all the lightweight guys have a, a skew in our lineups. Um, I think that'll, that'll come out. I think, uh, I'm still not hundred percent sold on the camera arm is, is, is dialed as good as it could be. Um, don't get me wrong. It's way better than the uh, third arm and the muddies of five, six years ago. But I, I do think there's, there's room for improvement there. Um, packs are starting to get catered to the mobile guy. And I think that's good because there are some different needs there. Um, but yeah. And I, I, I think some of the, like maybe accessory items, soft goods, we're seeing systems become more prevalent where, Bow holders are now in places where the sticks permanently attach is now in versus three years ago. That wasn't as, as common. So uh, what about you? What's, what's your bold predictions as far as let's just say mobile hunting gear. What would you like to see? Well, that's why it's so hard because I feel like the envelope, I feel like we're at a point where like say tree stands were five years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we go back, you know, five years or six years, like before this big saddle trend and everything pushed towards like super light packable mobile stuff, there was, you know, throw out a number of tree stand companies that were made in bulk to hit a price point or to be sold at your local, you know, family farm and home, tractor supply, farm and fleet, whatever, Menards. And that was the market. That's where everybody, I, I guess, maybe that's where the industry saw the mo saw the hunter. Um, mm. And then you had your niche stuff, like your your lone wolf, and then you know, uh, it had to have been like around that time when XOP was coming out with the similar products. Um, and so you either had like super high end stuff or you had crap. And I feel like with all of the um, influx of all the saddles and all of the specialized uh, stick 
and platform type companies. Now we've got, you know, multiple companies that either have, um, you know, cast or the laser cut stands. Um, you're, you're seeing all of that. So it's really difficult to kind of say like, what's next. I mean, people like that. Um, the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Like aerial assault or whatever it is with the you know, the expandable sticks and they're, they're, they're really nice looking, um, platforms are really thin, packable, um, stuff like that. But that's why I was asking, like, where does the industry go now? Because yes, maybe we win as a community with more options, but at the same time, I feel like we are still like in a somewhat of an echo chamber. Like our, our chamber maybe has, grown, but we're still Mm -hmm. just, even the mobile hunter is just a small portion of the community and every, we, we, we see it with like, uh, the Hawk platform and the Hawk saddle, um, like the consumer doesn't necessarily win. And if that's, Mm -hmm. you're trying to hit a price point on something that, you know, shouldn't where you shouldn't compromise on materials or, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing, even though they've done it for years, um, that's, what's difficult. So, I mean, I guess I would, uh, unfortunately what I see is some of these, um, Chinese companies, some of this lower end stuff trying to move into the mobile market mm-hmm. and people are going to see that as a, a cheaper option, but it's sure. definitely not a buy once cry once. Um, I think I'll be curious to see because what we haven't seen and, and why I brought it up with the, the hybrid setup is that we have not seen really any marketing towards that. Like, so mm-hmm. like the tethered latitude trophy line, they're kind of in there in their business. Like we're, we're saddle hunters and we sell saddles and we are against the tree stand. And even so far as to say, probably the most popular hybrid stand is lone wolf custom gear. And maybe they have something, what of a saddle, but there's nobody to put their name on it. And I don't mean like necessarily the John Eberhart signature, hybrid platform right but Mm -hmm. there isn't there isn't a guy out there who is everybody's saying well it's a tool in the toolbox or you know i mean i use everything you know and i feel like that's that's a it's situational or the best 
gear is boots or conditioning, like just lose 20 pounds. Like it's all this like really generalized stuff, but there isn't anybody saying like, this is the way that I do it. And this is why. And mm. so, like I said, I think until we, we have some sort of crossover there, like where it's okay to use both or a, yeah. a, a saddle company says like, Hey, you know, you can use this too. Um, and we make the best or another great, you know, option for that. We're, we're still going to have these camps and we're, we're going to not see any real innovation because, you know, when you talk about like the accessory market and some of the specialized stuff, you know, that's going to change things, you know, somewhat dramatically for, I, I think an ambidextrous type setup, because if you have like a true mobile setup with all of these gear straps and all this stuff for, that are designed for facing the tree, well, now if your bow's behind you and it's not on a little arm that comes out or something like that, I think that that's where we're going to see some, if we had more crossover, like accessories and things like that, where that's, that's, that was the biggest thing that I found, um, moving into saddle hunting was it was different accessories than I was used to from just hunting from a compound. Yeah. Uh, you know, hunting yeah. from a tree stand. Yeah. It's funny. So I don't saddle hunt a ton, but I take a whole different bag and my like, I don't know, rhythm in the woods is thrown off because I take a, if I take a platform, I want a, a frame style bag that can hold that, that weight a little better. Um, you know, you, as you were talking, I thought it was kind of an interesting, a thought popped into my head. There's, there's tree stand companies that make saddle platforms and sticks, but like a lot of the core saddle guys, they don't make a tree stand. They only make sticks in a platform and, and generally the, the, the saddle apparatus itself. So I wonder if, if, yeah, that would be a big splash. If, if tethered introduced a tree stand, if timber ninja, like I know they flirted with the carbon stand, but I don't think like, I don't, I don't know. I think they mixed that idea before, before bringing it. But yeah, I, I, I think that would bring some waves. Um, I'm interested to see what latitude does with their, uh, composite, you know, carbon guru ness, you know, like what else could, could they bring out? Like if they bring a car, like a camera arm, I bet it's going to be pretty sweet. So have you used those latitude sticks at all? Have you have you hunted with anybody that has them or anything like that? Uh n- no, never had them in camp. Saw them at ATA. I think they did a cool thing. Well, I I'll, I'll tell you this. So like I saw them from the 3D printed mock up in all of the, uh, I guess like all their heartaches <laughs> through the thing. Like oh. We got to redesign, got to do this, all these things. And then I had some that were like, not the final thing. So they were like, don't put these on a tree. You can bring them around to show people. And so that they can see them. Don't put them on a tree because they don't, they, you know, whatever they, they got them. They didn't go through testing or whatever. So, and then when I got them, I was like, I was like already, like I recorded a video and stuff and I was like, man, I just don't know. Like these things, like <laughs> they don't seem, they, they just don't seem stout enough, you know? And I, I'd been on them, you know, a dozen times, you know, one stick at the shows and jumped up and down on them and all this stuff. And, you know, you get them and you're like, oh my gosh. And I've used them all year in like from, from probably like 15 degrees all the way up, you know, into the seventies, I've used them in the snow i've used them in like an absolute freaking monsoon and in, in a monsoon like that that was like 
I, I put those sticks through something that never should have, uh, you know, I, I had a stick. Uh, if you ever use like AM steel, you know how, if you get it too tight and you don't set the stick, it bounces, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had a stick pop off like my third stick of four. So I was up there like on my knees on the bottom step of this stick, like all contorted, like using my bow rope to get the other stick to figure everything oh, out. Geez. And I mean, they've performed like flawlessly and the way they go on the tree, like the way that I, w- I was so against the way that they packed because they pack up instead of like out. Like I prefer like the B sticks, but they just pack up so good. Um, and the fact that I don't, you know, they come with that little strap to go around them, but you can actually, because of the cleats, just take one of the ropes, wrap it around there all the way, and then mm-hmm. just cleat it in. And so I don't have anything that I'm going to lose in the woods or anything like that. Um, I've just been extremely, extremely impressed with them. And it's like, yeah, they gave them to me and and whatever, but like, I was just as skeptical as the next guy, you know, and because I do, I mean, I have used all the other sticks and like the B sticks are really good. Like, I mean, they're great. So it's like, if if I'm going to go from one thing to the other, like you, it, it better be. It better yeah, be yeah, yeah. Once you, you know get something mean? that's really good and hunts well, yeah, like it's it's tough to change. Yeah, and so I don't. I mean, I see no reason to change from these. And I think like so. Uh, I just I'll, when I explain things to people about when they ask me a question about a stick or a platform, like the B sticks to me are the standard. And so, what does it offer to me that the B stick doesn't? Um, and the same thing with like the predator platform, like the predator platform is the standard. So what does it do or offer that the predator platform doesn't? And then we can go from there and see whether it's a benefit, if it's needed, if it's, if it's not. And with the latitude sticks, I feel like, man, like the way that they pack the, the lightness, but the attachment method, I, I was again, like a little bit skeptical of that. And I'd use the one sticks. We had some one sticks that we uh, uh, reviewed and then gave away, and there's a ton of similarities. It's just that there's no, there there are no parts to the latitude stick. So, you know, all of that, like issues with the pins and the, everything that, you know, tethered was, had to deal with on that. Like this has none of that. They just stick together. And then I don't have to do anything. I just tie them together. Like, phew, give me that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the products have gotten so good. Um, and yeah, I I guarantee you there's going to be like, but there's some stuff that's going to be good. I, I got to imagine, I don't know if it's going to be a stick. I don't know if it's going to be a bag, but I guarantee you the mobile hunting community, somebody will make a splash that are, that people are just going to be like, huh, might have to add that to my my kid or that can be my kid number two or something. I, I, I bet there's going to be something come out. So when you mentioned packs, like what packs are you running? Like what, what, um, are the are your go-tos yeah so i have let's see here i ran a small backpack early season it's the eberly stock bandit that's like a decent little scouting type bag uh i don't love any of the bags i have i also i see a couple holes um in in all of them that bag doesn't attach external gear as good i wish it had two really good straps around the outside and i wish it had a couple more pockets because like my XOP striker bag, which I've hunted with for years and 
it's probably my favorite bow hunting bag because on the outside, it's got a spot for your rangefinder, a spot for your wind indicator bottle. The top has like a spot for your like release and, and a headlamp. Like it organized, like those little pockets on the outside are well thought out on that bag. Um, it's got extra straps for like bibs and jackets and stuff, which are somewhat needed for the rep, but it is bigger, right? And it's not an internal frame bag. So once you get that thing loaded up heavy, if I wasn't strapping it to a tree stand, it wouldn't carry as good as something that, uh, that like Badlands, Everly Stock, Kuyu, like anything internal frame oriented carries better, right? Once you start loading it up. Um, I have uh, the Kuyu Icon 1850 with the better like hip belt with the like the pouches on the side. And that bag's pretty good. But I only use that to saddle hunt or like maybe um, maybe scout with. And I have been looking at the mystery ranch bags because I think that that Icon 1850, like I just it's close. But I, I kind of think I might like some of the, the mystery ranch options in that same similar size a little better. I, I see a lot of guys raving about those. So those are on the to look at list. Like the like the pop ups or. Yeah, I think it's the pop up. Uh, the the 28 28 or, I had a 28 yeah, I hated yeah. it <laughs> okay and then um, is there another one that there's a 38 but they just came out okay. with a pop up 40 I think okay is that is that the one that you can like the frame stays on there and you could actually remove the bag out yeah it folds out like that yeah okay and do you know if they're because they have some true whitetail oriented bags do those have internal frames in them i know they're like a quiet material but i don't i didn't know if they had i don't know i think that that um i think they make like that pop-up 40 it is or maybe it's either the 30 or the 40 it was one of the new ones like last year i think it has a, a combination of both it has that quiet material and it pulls off like i had the the 28 which a lot of people like but it didn't have the straps on the outside that i was looking for and it didn't have the pouches. My dad has the 38 and like, if you were saddle hunting, that would be perfect. I mean, the 38s probably, I mean, if I was going to buy one of those packs and depending on what you were using for a platform, like the predator platform will fit perfectly in the front little strap. Uh, if you're familiar with the mystery ranch packs, it, they have a, a lid that you can buy for, um, like I have the sawtooth. And like any of their like frame packs, you can buy the extra lid kind of like, um, the exo packs have the lid that has a storage and you can fold it over Sure, that's built into that pop-up 38. So it's got these two little, um, like tubular, I, I guess, uh, storage pouches on the top. And then that still folds over and it still pops out like that. 38 is a really great bag. Uh, my dad got that to go, um, use as a day pack out in Colorado, um, but you could use it for just about anything, like a really great versatile pack with that meat packing ability. And if you were going to put like a 0.5, you could put the 0.5 in between them, I think. And I think you'd be just fine. Um, yeah. yeah. Dave has the Mystery Ranch Pintler for his Western bag. Mm -hmm. And I had the Kuyu with the the bigger Venture bag on it. And I felt in testing, just swapping them out, I felt his carried better. Like the suspension system, it just, it seemed to carry lighter or yeah, the padding was better through the shoulders. I uh, The Kuyu with its modularity, I think 
trying to be a Swiss army knife, you know, where you swap out a bigger bag. I, I almost wonder if the frame, if it's going to fit an 1800 cubic inch bag, how I, I would think a bigger frame would carry something 3000 cubic inches, much, much better, right? Just get a little bigger frame, but you know, putting that bigger bag on the smaller frame, I, I just don't think it carried as good as, as Dave's similar size bag. Well, yeah. And those mystery ranch, the ones that you're talking about, like if, if you were to do something like that, like, so he can get, for that, like the sawtooth, which I have is like a 4,500 cubic inch or whatever, but they make the mule, which is like a, a day pack, like white tail, white tail style pack, um, on there. And you can, because of that frame, you could add the lid on there. You could add any of that stuff and you mm-hmm. can use it. Um, but that, I mean, so the bag that I've been using this year, so I've, I've used both of the Huntworth packs and they, they're just fine there. Uh, the larger one um, actually has like a metal kind of like internal frame. Um, and it's pretty nice. It's a little f- floppy, um, I guess, like as far as the material. Uh, same thing with like the Trophy Line case stuff, like their original one. Like the bag, j- the material just wasn't stout enough. But I use that. It's got straps everywhere, like appropriately to carry in all of your stuff. Um, but if you know me, if you follow along with the podcast, if you've heard me complain about anything um it's always gonna be the bow rope and uh, Mm -hmm. like the bow rope is like the bane of my existence and uh one of our listeners a patreon another gear guy um he mentioned the that kuyu divide 2000 um and it's said it's like the perfect saddle hang pack and i was like oh okay so i started looking into them and then of course they went on sale so i bought one picked one up for like 120 bucks and yeah, I, I saw that sale. Did that just go on for Christmas? Uh, it was before I bought. So I have like a really ugly color one. Like, so they got mm-hmm. rid of this like green color and I was like, I don't care. Like, I, I just want to try this back out. And yeah. um, it's kind of interesting because it comes uh, out in the middle. So you can stuff like your bibs, you can stuff like your warm clothes in there without having to access it, but you can fit a try like it unzips at the bottom. So you can fit a tripod or your rifle down th- through the actual pack itself. Um, okay. And so what I did is I was like, I'm just going to put my doils in the bottom of there, pull that thing out the bottom. And then I just zip tied the zipper shut. So I don't lose it. And it's perfect. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And I still can use all that, that space. Um, it has a flap on the front where you can put uh, like my platform doesn't fit in there very well. Uh, but a predator platform will fit in there. Um, just fine. And, Everything lines up. I've I, I've used that all year, and it's like it's pretty good. But but what I was getting at was with those nice padded straps, and that one has a waist belt that's removable, so you could take that off to get rid of some of that bulk. But in the tree, those nice padded straps are now like you know they they have shape, so they're kind of like out there. So you have to like mm-hmm. maneuver those around or have that have a good uh, gear strap so you can lower your backpack down below you or wherever so it's not in the way because otherwise i mean the pack is kind of like in your space yeah and i tried to go to like a small like almost like fanny system and with with i think maybe if i wasn't camera like if i wasn't filming hunts i probably could do it for october come november though like i just i'm taking way too much like just items and and bibs jacket like i'm just like dude it's you you you, you get to a spot and you're there for, for a bit. So I do graduate, graduate to a bigger bag. Now, do you ever like, 
leave stuff at the bottom of the tree? Because I mean, I I guess I've I'm always just like the one trip up guy, so I'm like I always have all my stuff. But it would seem like in that situation, if you had all that stuff, like you could bring in like Dave's Pintler pack with everything, get everything set up, and then just toss it and leave it at the bottom of the tree. Yeah. So like occasionally, like I'll leave straps or something at the base of my tree. I, I generally get to the, my tree. Um, and I, dude, I walk in and like just base layers and like light pants. And I generally hang my s- system, my mobile setup, come down and then put on like my bibs, my puffy vest and my jacket and then throw my backpack on and, and go up. I, I always got to go twice once I have layers. Um, that's just how I've always done it. The rest of the guys kind of do the same thing. And that's just due to like sweating where, where I was hunting this year. I was doing like a, a mile point two loop into where I was going because I could go like maybe straight shot, but I felt like I was spooking deer that I was hunting on, on where they were going for the morning. And, um, I would climb elevation and I would literally undress a, 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 a at the top of the mountain before I would kind of make my final 600 yard commute into my spot because yeah, I just get sweated up so bad. I, I know Jake Bush does the same kind of thing where like, I don't know. You, you sweat so much getting into the spot. It's like now you cool down. You almost don't want to wear the same shirt you wore because it's, it's it's wet at that point. I feel like some of that stuff, like with the, the more we focus on like hunting the wind and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't matter. Like I feel like some of it is. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. That confidence piece where you're like, I got to be, I got to change my everything. I got to, I can't leave anything at the bottom of the tree. But like, I mean, there's been so many times where it's just like you're up there and you're especially, especially this year with the weather that we've had, like you're just sweating, you're just sweat soaked and you're just like, whatever like and and you still have a good hunt you know but yeah i I think i think it's that like part of the like the it could go either way but like the Pareto principle of like you know 
20% of your success comes from 80% of this or, you know, 80, 20, one way or the other. And it's like, pe- there's people who focus on like so much of the wrong stuff. Like, you know, like, does it really, does it really matter? Um, if you've got a good spot with a good wind and you know where the deer are coming from, like you could be up there, like in your underwear, you could be up there in a snowmobile suit. It, it, I don't think it matters as much, you know, maybe there's a comfort thing and but like this year there hasn't been any temperatures where it's been like oh so cold like i've been i needed all that stuff (laughs) you know i don't think yeah but so as you were talking about earlier you're getting ready for muzzleloader season and that's one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is because you know i i guess i feel like as hunters and like mobile hunters and all this stuff and we're talking about traditional equipment and all this stuff we really do like, I feel like we're hard on each other as hunters. Like whether you're using, I mean, I still think there's, there's no room for crossbows unless you're air bows or any of that stuff, unless you're disabled or there's some good reason, a kid, something like that. Sure. Um, but you know, it's hunter numbers and all that stuff. So we, we, we just kind of like shy away from the topic and, you know, we don't necessarily gun hunt, although that hunt with my daughter was, was fun. I mean, I, I, I guess it just kind of like it opened my eyes again to see like, you know, there can be joy in killing animals with a rifle. Uh, but, you know, you had mentioned like, oh, getting the muzzleloader back out. And you, I don't know if you commented on like one of Kevin's posts or something. And he was said, you said like he'd like kind of reignited that spark and you to go back out with the muzzleloader or any of that it was, it was something along those lines. So I was just wondering from like a, you know, I don't know what, I think we, we, we put bow hunting like up on this pedestal. Like that's the only way to hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, bow hunting is cool, right? <laughs> like it is the cool thing. But I've got you get you get more likes if you shoot it with a bow than you do if you shoot it and you got an orange vest on. That I mean, that is reality. But I like I've gone back and forth like when we started this podcast and all that stuff, and like we were like, and John was like, "You're you can't gun hunt ever again. Like it's off the table." And like learning all of this stuff from all the people that we've talked to, up and hunting in different ways, it's like man. I feel like I could kill a lot more deer with a gun, a gun, you know, using these same tactics. Um, but it doesn't, you know, on some level it doesn't feel the same or whatever. So how do you feel about that with, you know, your platform, all of the, your, you know, beliefs. Uh, with, and it was funny when you were talking about that deer, like three days in a row, I was going to say, was that with a cell camera or how did you know? Were you in the tree? All th- <laughs> no, no, I, was in, I was in the tree every, uh, every, uh, I think what was it? South winds. That's when, when I was looping that system. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as like the firearm thing and like, you know, does a buck mean as much to me? I, I, you know, I, I kind of like, if I shot the same deer shoot, shooting it with a bow, everything else is the same versus shooting it with a gun. I definitely think the bow buck is going to mean more. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a harder weapon to kill things with, uh, even the compound. Um, you know, it, our, our season in Ohio, this is kind of, um, you got seven days on the first crack and then you got two. Um, and then muzzleloader is like a 
four-day season here in January. You know, the I, I still gun hunt. I, I mean, it's 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 a foreign like we just don't I, talk I about like it. it. No, no, we talk <laughs> about. I mean, we talk about doing deer drives and everything else. Uh, um, it, you know, I've always that's how I was introduced to hunting was was getting to tag along for a gun season weekend. Um, but yeah, like I I, I don't. If you said I had one day to shoot a nice buck and you said you could take any of the days of firearm season, any of the days of bow season, I'm going to take the day in bow season as far as a a chance to see a good rack buck. Um, the fact our gun season does fall later, I think, is part of that. Like I just in all my years, I've I've shot one deer, one buck with a gun in Ohio. And and yeah, like. I just don't see a lot of bucks uh, gun hunting. It's it's uh, I think it's because it does fall that that kind of uh, outside the normal rut. Um, I might feel differently if we had like a two week firearm season where you could take advantage of some natural movement uh, that was more rut bound. Yeah, I I, I could I, I would I I'm so glad we fall where we do. Um, but yeah, no, I I gun hunt. I I. It is what it is. Uh, I do like to, um, I've seen some, some, oh, good scouting type missions with gun in hand, uh, where you, I've seen some third rut in, during our muzzleloader season and, uh, if you will, over the years. But, uh, I look at it as a little bit of a scout. You know, you can still hunt. It's a little different tactic. I'm actually probably pretty good at, at still hunting. I, I have the patience not to want to move too fast. Um, so I do enjoy it, man. Yeah, I, like I said, I was just wondering because it was. I feel like it's one of those things that's just like we're not supposed to talk about gun hunting. Like I think, I think Kevin is like probably the one guy who's like the most unapologetic about it. Like who has yeah, make like, gun hunting cool again? Yeah. I think he said. Yeah. yeah, I. Yeah, I. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, if a guy has a bunch of gun kills, uh, whatever. Um, it does. You know, there is something to getting it done inside of 25 yards with a, with a more traditional bow hunting equipment. That That is a skill set. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't knock anybody for shooting too many bucks with a gun, I think. <laughs> well, I just think that, you know, as, you know, hunters and, you know, people who are talking about it, I think we kind of create that same echo chamber, though. Like, I think I think, you know, where like everybody's killing 140s and like you have to do that. You got to wait for a big buck. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that have not killed too many deer who are like, well, I can't go gun hunting because it's not cool. And, you know, there's, you know, I think that that becomes like a, a slippery slope. Like if I, I would, I would, I think I would tell everybody out there that's like, hasn't killed a bunch of deer, hasn't killed any bucks or any of that stuff. Just in, I, I understand all of it, but, um, to say, I would tell you a hundred times out of a hundred to go hunt with a gun before I said, you know what, maybe you should just, and I, I did tell one of our patrons that he should go hunt with a crossbow, but I was just kind of ribbing him because he was having a hard season. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I would rather that somebody went out there and like had a successful hunt, had fun and, you know, then go out there and just beat their head against the wall, trying to live up to somebody else's standard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of feel some of the same way you do about when I see guys bow hunting turkeys. 
Because like it's cooler. I'm like, dude, go shoot him with a shotgun. That's so like that is fun. But uh, I, but yeah, I'm that guy. And you know what? Well, like, for first time birds. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 no. My buddy, if AJ listened to this, I, I busted him so hard on a phone call. I was like, dude, like you don't know what you're missing. I was like, you've never killed a bird. I said, grab that shotgun, man. I uh, so. I was gonna. I was gonna say like, but you know, Walt from Jason Tales, he's always like, turkeys are designed to be shot in the face with a shotgun. Like, it's not supposed to be like this thing. And like, I think my the way that I killed that deer in Kansas this year was like all my turkey hunting with a bow experience all led up to that that one instance of like duck behind the decoy and load another mm-hmm. arrow and shoot because I'm like I've been in this situation before where you know these turkeys don't know what happened but in the, they're so fired up by looking at the decoys or whatever and i just i was like man you, you gotta be out there and you gotta mess up all these times so that that one time you can you can do it and that know. is true that 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 process there paid off uh <laughs> in that buck i mean you can't argue that it, it prepared you for that yep 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 and 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 so but I, I I don't know I I I would say the same thing for for turkeys because like I guess the the difference is is that like unless you're one of these guys that's like you know you're like oh well I'm gonna get this gun that shoots TSS out to seventy and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. start waylaying everything that comes you know even pokes its head up within eyesight um you know i I feel like most and 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 this may be the thinking but i feel like most of the turkeys that you kill are in bow range you know for 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 the most part like i say unless you're shooting at 70 with a with tss or something sure and i think that that's why but i think you have to be somewhat of a deep well i don't know i i guess if you were like out west in some of these areas where you see like all these os not osseals or whatever like the rios or whatever where there's like hundreds of them you know in the field and stuff like that where maybe you don't have to be as good of a caller or as good you know you just got to be able to get in there i don't know but i think one thing around here as we get further into the season like you have to be somewhat of a good caller you have to have some idea of how to hunt these turkeys um to get them in in range and that's you know, maybe that's where the shotgun makes it a little bit easier. It gives you a little bit yeah. of a, a second chance, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll say this: this is I, I almost respect the they kind of going back to the the deer hunting side of things. If I saw a buck get shot with or a deer get shot with a gun and a crossbow, and let's say it's a military aged male, I think I'm pushing the like on the 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 gun kill a little more. Like I might respect that, right? He's got a shorter season. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Walt on turkeys got to be shot in the face. But you don't have to get drawn. There there is just like with the stick bow thing, like in in transitioning there. There are a few of those nuances that just because the weapon range is shorter, there's like four other things that got to go into that final ten seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> my, my turkey season this year is just insane, and uh, yeah that getting drawn thing, all that stuff. Like my problem is like the execution, like the execution. I guess get, I get so wound up that it's just like punch the trigger, just send it. Like, 
don't know. <laughs> I, I called in a bunch of turkeys this year. It was, it was, it was probably one of the, it was, when you said that it was like the, one of the best seasons that you've had without killing a buck. You know, I just listened to that podcast with uh, Greg and, and Clint on truth from the stand. Yeah. And it was the same thing, you know, Greg's struggling, but he's having a great season, you know, hit a couple bucks that he hasn't recovered and just, you know, deer bent all over him. And, and that was kind of like my, my turkey season. It was a, it was amazing. And I think, you know, to, to a point, like getting out there and, and having those experiences is what's the most important part. Like the, especially with you guys in, in Ohio, like once that buck's on the ground, like the season's over, like it's over. And, and for what we talk about as much as we love, you know, the, the grip and grin, we love to eat venison. We love all of that stuff. Like we also love the grind, like no matter how much we complain about it or how many, that's the challenge or the, I mean, that, that's why you set your goals higher. That's why you keep pushing it because, you know, shooting year and a half old bucks is easy. Like we'll just shoot them all the time. Like that's not a big deal. And then, then it gets easier to kill these ones and these ones and these ones. It's like, if it were about just meat or if it were just about, you know, killing something, we'd be our seasons would be much shorter. We'd have a much different approach to this and, 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 and that, that grind, you know, so that having that one season, that one tag, that one, everything, you know, that's, that's, that, that's something that like, I got to take into consideration when I think about people talking about, well, you know, cause then, then you're, maybe you like fishing or something else because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. That is true. Don't get me wrong. Like there is a nice feeling of, of punching a tag and, and the beer you drink with the buck on the tailgate or back home. Like when, when all the work's done, that is the best, best beer of the year. Um, but yeah, you, you almost appreciate it more. Some guys don't get me wrong. My buddy Dave, he's like, man, I'd take an easy one every, uh, you know, I, I'm waiting on that lucky, lucky buck that, that just gets kicked my way third day of season and I'm done. Um, he says I'm sick and twisted and I'd rather kill like a buck on the last day and have, have struggled through. I do think that would be, that feeling would be pretty sweet, but. But it's, it's what keeps us going back. You know, like I, you know, my daughter killed a deer and I killed a deer and our, we have plenty of venison. Like it isn't like, it isn't like, Oh man, I just need two more deer. And then the year's complete, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, I got another week to go out with the, or the re- I guess the rest of this week uh, to go out. I'm going to go out scouting tomorrow, and then I've got a couple more uh, opportunities to hunt, and that that's what I'm going to do. I'm taking the trad bow, and you know the the only thing like this is a wrong mindset because I've never had it happen. I've never killed a deer like nearing the last day or anything like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's like one of those things where you think about it in some sort of like irrational way, like well, what if I do this or what if I like we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but you know, shooting a shed buck or like you said, like shooting a buck on the last day or, or whatever like that. And I think back to like that, um, uh, life of a public land bow hunter where he shoots that buck and the antlers fall off, you know? And it's like, yeah. you know, you went through all that trouble to finally, you know, like th- think about that from like my perspective, like let, let's write that narrative as my story. Like went all the way through the year. It's like the last day of the season, I finally shoot one with the stick bow and his antlers fall off. <laughs> like, it's like, 
Yeah. You got to just laugh. I know. <laughs> Dude, that'd be, that'd be wild. <laughs> yeah. That'd be wild. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's certainly like first world problems, right? But it's yeah. like, it's like you, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I had a, a buck I started finding late season. He he shed his antlers within a foot and a half of my XOP. <laughs> I had hung it. I was like, dude, I'm gonna get this deer. Like he evaded me for the rut. And I was like, I'm on him now. And uh yeah, yeah, it was a weird feeling. And and I thought about I thought about going and hunting him as a shed buck. And I couldn't get past, you know, I live as a deer hunter to like hear that twig snap and look. And like if he was walking in without his rack, like that 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 feeling wouldn't have been the same. So how do you, um, how do you feel about that for me? Like your, your perspective. Um, and I think this is like, it's a problem that not many people have. Um, but I've heard guys talk about it, especially like in Kansas about like busted up bucks or broken tines or like right. half rack, you know, like where they're broke off or whatever. So you're s- same, same story, you know, yeah. but it's, November 8th and that buck you've been hunting and that you're on, he comes in and he's, you know, he's, he's missing his twos and threes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, you know, twos and threes, I might still shoot him probably. Like I would say 80%, I'm still slinging an arrow. Like, um, cause the, the buck before he shed, he broke one size three and one size two. And, and we named the deer G three cause he has a pretty signature three. Um, and I was ready to shoot, like, no, no doubt. Um, a half rack might get a pass. I, I, I don't know. What about yourself? Like, do you have, and if he's 20 inches wide, he's dying regardless. Like if he's got beams that go out, like I'm shooting. What about you? What if half rack comes in or busted twos? I, I think it's all about that. Like uh, heart thing. Like if I, if I, if, if, if it, I get excited, like I'm going to shoot him. And I mm. like, I, I've said it before. Like I've. I've passed a lot of deer that I should have shot just like for my own growth as a hunter, like thinking, thinking that I was at a level that, that, that I wasn't, you know, me too. Like that's, that's where, that's where I was at the time. Like that's a deer that I should have shot, you know? And, and, and there's, you know, there's, it's easy to look back and say, oh yeah, well I should have shot that deer. But, but in, in reality, like some of those deer that I didn't shoot were like some of the bigger deer that I'd seen that year. And I wasn't on bigger deer. So it's like, you know, so that said, like, I, you know, one of the guys who, um, uh, has a place out in Kansas, he'll send me these bucks. Like, what do you think about this guy? I'm like, Tim, they're all shooters. Like I'm shooting every single one of them. Like, you know, it's the, the shooters got to shoot, you know, like if it's a mature deer or like, you know, a big body deer, like I'm shooting, I don't. I'm not going to be like, well, you know, yeah. now like the, the, the smaller deer behind me, like that's a deer that I, I probably wouldn't shoot today, but I'll shoot him with a stick all day long. Um, yeah. but you know, yeah, I, I, I would like to think that I'm have moved past that now. If I'm having a, a bad year, if I've wounded a couple and missed another one, then, you know, mm-hmm. Maybe I need to get another one. Maybe I need to go back a step, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave and I talk <laughs> about that. Um, and I think I've heard Heath talk about that where, like, let's say you go on a run and you kill some some, some bucks and, and you're growing in order. 
and then you don't shoot into something for a year or two like you're allowed to move that scale i i always felt like uh you know when i was in my early 20s mid 20s that scale was set like it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And that's what the industry, that's what the early podcast, it's set. I'm only shooting at blah, blah, blah. But I really like that sliding scale based on how you feel, your personal goals. Like, I think that's, that's important. And stuff like you just said, like, I should have shot that buck at that time. Like, I think that's in, in, an important reflection. And, and now, like, people listening to this podcast, you're probably going to, there's probably going to be a couple guys in their 20s that are like, yeah, maybe I should shoot a few more of those tweener bucks. Because um, you and I are both saying that we wish we would have shot those tweener bucks back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and- yeah, you, you you listeners in your your early 20s, I think you, you're starting to climb that ladder. Shoot those tweeners because you learned something in that final 10 seconds. And I and I think there's something else to go along with that. Kind of like what you talked about like with the with that tailgate beer, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I I would say that whether it's a a, a gun hunt, uh, a bow hunt, you know, may, maybe your buddy's got a crossbow and you want to sway him into shooting a regular bow, uh, a duck hunt, a pheasant hunt, whatever. I think if if someone invites you to go hunting with them and you have the opportunity, I think you should go do that for that shared experience for that camaraderie, you know, maybe you learn something, uh, maybe you can teach something, but you know, I don't think I've went on too many hunts with other people where I was like, you know, I wish I didn't, I hadn't gone on that. I wish I, that, I wish I wouldn't have taken the time to to do that. Like, and it doesn't, it's not always about the harvest or whatever, but it's, it's that camaraderie. It's that tailgate beer. It's that, you know, it is that opportunity to, to be part of something you know, that you wouldn't have been, um, same thing, like with track and deer and all that, that stuff. I mean, that's where I think that hunting community, that bond, that type of stuff is, is, is really that, that, that's the stuff that we, you know, we can't sell you, right. That's, that, that's what hunting is about. It's not about the gear or the antlers or whatever. It's, it's, it's the core of everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that thought a lot, the core. Well, I mean, I, it's hard because in the, this day and age with like my spot and big bucks and you killed my deer and, you know, naming deer and all of this stuff, you know, we get and, and, and you know, going a mile in and doing all this stuff like a lot of us that do that we're hunting by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot more fun to celebrate with somebody else. 
than just by yourself. And I mean, and you, you see it in your videos and your posts. I mean, you guys are calling each other immediately saying like, Hey, you know, bring the ravioli in the thermos. Like we got to yeah. get this thing out of here. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if you don't share that with these other, with anybody else, nobody's coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to, you're going to have a very long, lonely drag out. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there is that aspect to to a good, good couple guys. Um, and they might not necessarily be there on the drag, but that phone call home, the, you know, once you get signal and, and I do think too, like, don't get me wrong. I love my wife, but like when I shoot a buck, I think the guys are a little happier for me than even her. Mm -hmm. Cause they know. So so funny part about that is like, I, I killed that deer in Kansas. I talked to my wife and I'm like, yeah. And, you know, she's like, what are you coming home? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, I, I was like, I'd like to, you know, I would like to kill one, you know, tomorrow and, uh, you know, then have a little bit of time, you know, to take care of things. And, you know, but I'm like, in reality, I don't have to be to work till next Wednesday. So, you know, I don't know, maybe Saturday, something like this is Tuesday, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I, shot that deer i text her a picture and she's like what i thought you were texting me a picture of somebody else's deer like no confidence in me whatsoever you know <laughs> like oh she doubted you yeah she it wasn't she wasn't she was i think maybe a little excited for me but you know you know i i called my buddies i called i called her dad you know and we talked and they wanted to hear every like was he all bristled up like what do his hooves look like? You know, they want to know everything. Yeah, about this damn the details. Deer. How far, you know, was he quartering too? Did you hesitate on the draw? How'd you like, how'd you pull it off with the decoy? Adam, you said tailgate beer. What I, I got to ask now it is uh, the, what is it? The about to be January one, this time of year. What is the tailgate beer choice? If you, you are so fortunate this week. Oh, I, I I'm, I'm one of these like degenerates where like, I will drink anything you put in front of me. So it's not, I'm, I'm not like going to be, Oh, I gotta have this. I gotta have that. Um, today, uh, if I went upstairs, it's probably either PBR or Bushlight. So that's just, okay. That's and And would you stop on your way home and get something that, that you're like, this is a celebratory beer? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I would just go, I would go and get, you know, whatever comes in a 16 or 24 ounce can because we're, we're not wasting it on a 12 ounce or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I generally do, um, Oh, Modelo's, uh, and Miller lights. I, I generally like, I don't know. Last couple of times I've taken a buck over to Dave's house. I, I got a 12 of each of those. It's, it's yeah. been, uh, for, for this, this season and, and last, I think it's been crown apple. Uh, it's been the okay. like the drink of choice, but uh, like I That's said, it's festive. I like it. Yeah, but it's you know it's it's crown. It comes in a nice bag. Uh, it goes down pretty easy. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a whiskey. You know, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like on the lower spectrum, but you know, it's a it's a nice sipper, and you know, you can you can celebrate with that. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So. um Oh shoot! There's one more thing I wanted to. Oh yeah! So before we round this out, I, I I saw you had posted something about doing the carnivore diet. Yeah. Like, are Are you going to do that? So uh, Dave, this was Dave's. I 
idea. And Dave's somebody that needs a, a comrade for for these uh, adventures of, of of discipline, suck fests, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I said, all right, five days a week, maybe six. Let's do it. Let's map it out. So he has mapped out our, our restrictions. Um, I'm I. I'm a little concerned how my body's going to react. No, no carbs. I do eat pretty clean, like five days a week. Uh, but, but I do eat like some rice, some breads. Like I'm human. I like tacos and beer and pizza. Yes. But, um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to shoot for, for five days a week in January, which is the, the carnivore month. Let's, let's try it. Um, so that is eggs, meats. Um, we're going to allow nuts and some dairy. Um, might flex in fruit depending on bowel movements. Okay. Okay. I just, I saw that and I've, but, I've, I've seen like, uh, a couple of years ago, you guys did like, uh, I don't know if you were getting in shape for going, uh, out West and it was like, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do a point system with pushups and m- miles ran and, um, all of that. So you guys kind of go into this, this, this mode yeah. every, every now and again. So Dude, we do the, uh, we do the cold plunges too. Me, Rick and Dave have tubs set up in either the garage or Rick sometimes throws his on his back porch. And that is like a, a true test to, I'm about to do something that's painful and, 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 you know, not fun, but man, it's a kick when you get done with it. <laughs> do you think that that transitions into helping you, uh, in the woods or, uh, in life, or is it just like, uh, you know, one of those things where the you're like, well, now I know I can do something that sucks. So this isn't as uh, yeah, bad as maybe, a cold plunge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the mental discipline of uh, this this it doesn't suck as much as the the cold. Maybe it helps a little bit with your your cold tolerance. Like my hands in the cold, like I don't have the best circulation, and and you know I don't know. I I wonder if it does translate to a little bit of how that feels. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I saw that and I was just like, man, I gotta, I gotta ask about that because it, it's, that's a pretty uh, extreme. <laughs> yeah. Thing. We're only doing a month. We're only doing five days a week uh, or six. Um, and there's always an asterisk there. If, if, if I, if like I'm not feeling good, I will pivot, but I'm at least going to try. And the thing is, is like, that's still like, like, cause Frank's going down to, to hunt Ohio for, for muzzleloader. And like, that's still in your deer season. So like you, you're going to be like disrupting like your real life. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that know? is true. Yeah. I don't now I don't cold plunge on, on days of hunt. I will say that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right though. That the, the calorie intake will be shifted a little bit yeah. during that. So, so what, uh, what do you do yeah. there? Like no, uh, no celebratory beers. We're going to have to like, we're gonna have to yeah, you, so you, <laughs> celebratory you, chocolate milk if we allow it. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you shoot a buck like we shoot a buck like that. The, 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 there is reason to break break the uh, the discipline, the adventure of the month. But yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Maybe maybe we'll I'll, I'll pocket a flex day when I see hunts upcoming. Like hey, Saturday I'm hunting. I can't. I I, I got to save a flex day for that. <laughs> oh. Well, I, you know, like I said, this podcast was going to be a little bit uh, all over the place. I think we kind of hit on all the, the, the avenues I was, I was thinking. Uh, so, f- for the, uh, you know, the cold plunges, the 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 meat month, um, and everything else that is the whitetail experience. Where can people follow along with uh, everything you've got going on? 
Yeah, just uh, I would say Instagram and YouTube are our main avenues. You can uh, you can find us there. So, um, look up the Whitetail Experience. You'll see some shenanigans and some decent deer hunting and some 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 talk of like what we did today. Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, good luck for the the rest of the season. Thanks, Adam. blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of cajun cooking from the mississippi delta in venice to the cajun prairies of the southwest me and the duck camp dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all this is duck camp dinner join me chef jean-paul bourgeois and the whole crew every monday at 8 p.m eastern on waypoint tv I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.